2: It is 11 a.m. on a gorgeous, gorgeous Wednesday morning in Tuscaloosa. It is time once again for Southern Fried Sports. On your home for University of Alabama Athletics, Tied 100.9 FM, Travis Reyer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the 247sports.com network here with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. We told you yesterday, get them while they're hot. Those cake pops. They got a special batch of them in at Peterbrook Chocolatier. Made right there in the shop. Right there in the shop. Outstanding cake that is going to be covered in your favorite chocolate. You know it. You love it. Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Give them a call if you'd like to pre order maybe those cake pops, or anything else for that matter at 205 752 Joined on the program by the executive producer of Southern Fried Sports, Jacob Harrison, who together we combine to form the 6 day of Sports Talk Radio. How about it, Jacob? How are you on this post-election day Wednesday in gorgeous west-central Alabama?
1: It's a beautiful day out. Can't complain. Yeah, maybe we, should had,
2: we should have just had some U2, some beautiful day, maybe uh, queued up. But uh, absolutely, congratulations to all the candidates yesterday. It was, it looked like a stellar turnout. I got over to the Church of the Highlands. That building creaks a little bit when I walk in there. I'm not going to lie to you, okay? When I walk into these sanctuaries, Jacob, they tend to creak a little bit. But uh, outstanding turnout over there for the mayoral election, the municipal elections with the city council seats up for grabs, some education, board of education seats up for grabs. Congratulations again to all the great candidates, extremely appreciative of their efforts and their willingness to put themselves out there for the betterment of the community. And I hope you did your part hope you got out and voted yesterday. It was a big evening leading up to Alabama-Alban at uh, 6 p.m. tip-off over there at Coleman Coliseum yesterday evening, and the Alabama Crimson Tide makes it a season sweep of the rival Auburn Tigers with a 12-point win. I think that win, I think that result was right around the number, wasn't it? What was Alabama favored in that game last night? No Sharif Cooper for the Auburn Tigers, but... To Auburn's credit, kept it close. It was a tight game, and it was getting tighter there. With about eight minutes to go in the second half, Auburn cuts that Alabama lead to five at 52-47. to But then you had the defining stretch coming out of that media timeout. John Petty uh, hits the three to put Alabama up eight at 55-47. And then Shackelford. Jaden Shackleford, another big night at Coleman Coliseum. I'd like to see Jaden Shackleford's scoring numbers just for conference home games this season. He's been exceptional on the offensive end at Coleman, where SEC play is concerned. He did it again last night. He has that stretch of 10 points in a 13-2 to run for the Crimson Tide, and that's all she wrote. Shackelford hit that 3 at 6249 put Alabama up 16 with 322 left and uh Alabama fans that were fortunate enough to be in the building last night. We told you going into that game the secondary market the ticket man was landing big lefts and rights, hooks and uppercuts and straight rights. A tough ticket, but Alabama gets it done in what was the final home game appearances For the likes of Herb Jones and John Petty, long will be remembered for their efforts in helping to get Alabama to this point in year two under Nate Oates. SEC regular season champs, they cut down the nets. Cut down the nets at Coleman last night, appropriately so. A lot of fun by all accounts there off Bryant Drive. We have a temporary phone number for you if you would like to check in on the program. On this Wednesday morning, 205-409-7877. You can check in with us today at 205-409-7877. No apologies necessary, by the way, for Alabama after that win last night. We've gotten to the point where a team reaches 20 wins overall and 15-2 and in league play, and we start assigning style points to March wins. Some of you people don't remember. Not too long ago, as in like the last few years, Alabama as February moved into March struggling to get wins of any kind. You just take the wins at this point. Yeah, it wasn't the prolific offensive performance that Alabama had in round one, at Auburn when it scored 94 points down on the plains. But, again, a team showing you that it is more well-rounded than previous teams at this time of year, and that defense travels well in college basketball this time of year. And if you can hold Auburn, yes, even without Sharif Cooper. I get that. To under 60 points, you're going to have a great chance to win games. Second straight game, an Alabama opponent has failed to hit 60 in the scoring column. So you like that? Yeah, I understand. I understand you, you look at this team and you wonder about ultimately where it could top out. Is the floor higher than the ceiling? I think you like Alabama going into the postseason as a team that you feel really good about getting to that uh, second weekend. Uh, but going from the 16 to the 8, perhaps to the final four and who knows what, that's where it becomes a little bit of a mystery from an offensive perspective. So uh, all things considered, though, you just take the wins and you keep right on moving along. You know what we've got starting today, too? On the women's side, you got the SEC Women's Tournament cranking up in Greenville, South Carolina. That's a cool town. Have you ever been to Greenville, South Carolina? Ever been to the upstate? Clemson is right there. Clemson is basically a suburb. I guess you could say, of Greenville, South Carolina. Greenville, South Carolina is a cool town. Uh, But you got the SEC Women's Tournament in Greenville cranking up today. Alabama-Missouri tomorrow in a 7-10 game. Uh, That's a good matchup for Alabama. Alabama beat Missouri on the road really early in conference play. And I think even though Alabama dropped to the 7 seed from that 6-7 range after that loss to Arkansas – in Fayetteville on Sunday, at least in terms of a first-round matchup. 7-10 with Missouri works out pretty well. In other words, Arkansas's the sixth seed, but I think Arkansas got the tougher first-round matchup uh, with Ole Miss. Ole Miss playing some good basketball right now. Talented team. Coach has got that thing in the right direction over in Oxford. The problem with being in that 7-10 game is that uh, – and the quarters, are looking at potentially South Carolina. So, you know, it could be a, a tough one there if Alabama gets past Missouri. But you got the women's cranking it up uh, over in Greenville. Alabama baseball this afternoon, man, is shaping up to be a banner day at the ballpark. Looking outside Studio T right now. Looking good. Looks like it's going to warm up into the low 60s by first pitch at 3 o'clock. With Troy in here, of course, last night's game for Alabama at UAB a no-go due to weather. You've got fourteen and zero Alabama softball. You can pull the double. You got Alabama baseball at three, and then you can roll right over to the Rhodes House for fourteen and zero Alabama softball. In a rare, although we saw this with LSU a couple weeks ago, a couple weekends ago here in Tuscaloosa, a rare non-conference game against a conference foe in Mississippi State coming over from Starkville. That's a 6 o'clock first pitch. be interesting to see who Murph throws, who he starts tonight in the circle, because it is a conference team that you're taking on, an improving conference team in Mississippi State. And when you look ahead to the weekend, Alabama has Kent State, Northern Iowa, and South Alabama in here for the East and T-Town showdown. So of the week's slate of games for the Alabama softball team, this is probably the toughest one of the bunch tonight over at Road Stadium. We're going to talk some Alabama offensive line as we move throughout the program as well. We're going to talk about the potential tackle tandems for 2021. The expectation, of course, being that Evan Neal will move over to the left side from the right side, the massive 360-pound rising junior. Really good year on the right side with Alex Leatherwood holding down those left tackle duties. Evan Neal was uh, exceptional. Had a little bit of an injury issue there. A little bit of a, I guess it was more probably COVID related than anything else. So you actually saw Chris Owens make a start at right tackle against Arkansas. But we'll hopefully get into some Alabama offensive tackles. I did an in-depth piece on that position on BamaOnline.com yesterday. We'll provide some commentary on that as we move throughout the program. Of course, it's a Wednesday, so we're going to have Cecil Hurt coming up in just a little bit. Longtime sports editor, columnist, voice for Alabama athletics. Cecil Hurt will join us in segment number two, and we'll talk some Alabama basketball with him. The potential for full occupancy in Southeastern Conference football action around the venues in the league coming up in September and beyond. All that coming up with Cecil in just a little bit. But we have Corey right now, I believe, waiting on hold on the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio Line. I bet Corey wants to talk some Alabama softball.
3: Hey, Travis. How you doing this morning?
2: Good, Corey. How are you?
3: I'm doing great. Uh, and just like you're curious, I'll be curious to see who Alabama throws out there tonight. Uh, I don't think it would be fouls because even though, yeah, you would want to throw your ace out there to get the win, I don't think you want to waste her for a midweek game.
2: Let me let me ask you something about that, though, Corey. Do you think Fouts is the unquestioned ace ahead of Kilfoyle at this point? Uh,
3: that's a tough one. I mean, I think I mean, it's, it's not a game. knock on
2: Fouts because Kilfoyle has just been tremendous. I mean, look at the weekend really she
3: just had. Just, I really think it's just a 1A 1B situation. I, yeah. mean, I trust both. I mean, not that I don't trust the others. I, I trust I trust Fouse and Gilmore to be a 1-2 punch and a 1A 1B. I mean, Gilmore mm-hmm. has made such great improvements from last year. Not, not that she was terrible. I mean, she. I know the seventh inning thing she had last year, but she's made such improvement and and uh Balls has been doing her thing and so I I think she makes a great one two they make a great one two punch and I I was telling Gary this yesterday. I think I think you just have to credit the pitching of the opposing teams of why all that didn't put up a lot of runs and uh I think they'll get back on track this week and don't let Mississippi State's record fool you. 'Cause they can hit the ball for for what they lack like in pitching, they they make up in offense with Mia Davidson and Paul so you how them whoever they throw out there tonight, they have to make sure that they don't let their offense get cranked up so it'll be key for of them to get on the board first and stay ahead. And uh as far as this weekend I think to me, in my opinion, I think South Alabama's the toughest opponent, and for some reason I don't know if you've noticed this, South Alabama seems to always give Alabama trouble, even though we've never lost to them. Knock on wood, but Alabama just, I mean, South Alabama just seems to always give Alabama trouble. But I think this will be a great tournament for Alabama to get back on track offensively. The, the pitching staff's been amazing, and I look forward to having a good weekend going uh five and zero again
2: yeah that should be the case um uh, you know you're you're talking about a couple of five hundred type teams in Kent State, Northern Iowa. You're right. I think South Alabama has a win over Georgia I believe uh they do. seven and five on the season, so at least there's some documented success for the Jags where s e c competition is concerned during the early stages of the season. Well, Corey, as always, enjoy the game tonight. We always appreciate hearing from you. yeah,
3: good talk to you Travis all time.
2: There he goes, Corey. He's ready. He's ready for that 14-0 and Alabama softball team tonight with Mississippi State coming to town. Making the short trip. The short trip ought to be a nice drive over today. Perfect conditions. Absolutely. Going to head to our first break. When we come back, it's time for Cecil Hurt on a Wednesday. Cecil, of course, the sports editor and columnist for the Tuscaloosa News and TideSports.com. We'll talk with Cecil about some Alabama-Auburn hoops, some Look ahead to the 2021 college football season and what it looks like it's going to try to entail from a fan occupancy perspective. And Cecil's an AP voter where men's college basketball is concerned. Wonder how surprised he was. And this is why I say you don't apologize. Okay. You don't apologize for any wins in March. Illinois, without arguably its best player, went into Ann Arbor last night and woodshedded a top three team in the Michigan Wolverines. Never apologize for wins in March. We'll talk with Cecil about that and a whole lot more when Southern Fried Sports returns on Tide 100.9 FM right after this.
1: From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Band Sports and it's brought to you by kaneka Sausage. A true southern flavor since 1947 and now the official smoke sausage of the Crimson Tide. Visit online at ConecuhSausage.com. Hello again everybody, I'm Roger Hoover. Alabama men's basketball defeated the Auburn Tigers 70-58 to in the final home game of the year at Coleman Coliseum. Head coach Nate Oates addressed the media after the win.
4: Just really, really happy to see the excitement, the joy, the
2: everything on their face you know you could tell how emotional Reese was and I was happy for him so it's great for them to be able to cut the nuts down I just you know it's unfortunate we can't pack the uh, arena out but it's nothing we can control so it's nice that all the ah, shoot I looked like 90% of the crowd stayed for the end so that it was great I thought it was
1: great for our guys I'll have more in a moment Our newest partner on the Crimson Tide Sports Network is already an Alabama favorite. Kaneka Sausage is now the official smoked sausage of the Crimson Tide. Kaneka's tradition of making the finest hickory smoked sausage hasn't changed in over 70 years. Always great for breakfast, and now a tailgate grilling tradition. Kaneka Sausage, made in Evergreen, Alabama, and a true Southern flavor since 1947. And now the official smoked sausage of the Crimson Tide. The Alabama-UAB baseball game that was scheduled for Tuesday night was canceled due to weather conditions. The two teams were originally scheduled for a 6 p.m. Central first pitch at Regions Field in downtown Birmingham. A makeup date for the game has not yet been announced. Alabama and UAB are still set to meet on Tuesday, May 11th at 6 p.m. in Tuscaloosa. And that's your Bama update. Crimson Tide Today brought to you by Conecuh Sausage. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network. A good supply of sunshine this afternoon, the high today 64. Clear tonight,
0: cool the low at 40. Tomorrow, another sunny day with a mild afternoon, the high 70. And Friday, we stay dry with a mixture of clouds and sunshine. Friday's high at 68. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 56 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com. Or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide.
3: Community.
2: Three wasn't the magic number for Alabama basketball so much last night. Well, the Crimson Tide did hit double digits and made threes in the win over Auburn, but needed 35 hoists to get there, shooting just under 29% from beyond the arc. What did we talk about on the program yesterday? I think we set the total, the combined total for threes attempted in the game last night between Alabama and Auburn at 59 and a half. Because the last last time these two got together, that was essentially what happened down at Auburn Arena. 59 combined threes in that first meeting attempted. Well, guess what? Last night, 35 for Alabama, 24 for the Auburn Tigers attempted. By my limited public school mathematical background, that's uh, that's 59 again. So just under the hook, if you had the over 59.5 somewhere, somehow, uh, the hook got you on those uh, attempted threes last night for Alabama and Auburn. A guy who was there witnessed it all. Cecil Hurt of the Tuscaloosa News and Uh Cecil, aesthetically, maybe not as pleasing as the first time these two got together. But if you're Alabama, as we talked about throughout the early stages of today's program, you're at a point in the season where there's no complaining. There's no apologizing, Cecil, for wins in March.
4: Not at all. And um, it wasn't the most aesthetically pleasing. But let me give a shout out to... Uh, to my man Doug Schild, who, who <laughs> kept it rolling. Twenty seven free throws. You can live with in the combined in the game. Uh you can take that as opposed to the forty three to eight at Arkansas. Um Alabama didn't have anybody in foul trouble all night long. So um Auburn really didn't either. They had a couple of guys at three, but uh so Doug Doug bounced back. Good to, see a, good to see a pro bounce back. <laughs> oh, gosh.
2: Just one foul in 33 minutes for Herb Jones. I mean, that's got to be mm-hmm. close to his season best, doesn't it?
4: It does. It does. Herb needed one rebound for a double-double. And uh, still played well. Still, um, I think he's still bouncing back. Didn't make a three. Um, but uh, nine points, Oh, excuse me, ten points, nine rebounds, six assists. Uh, that's the kind of line that you, that you get from her. Um, rebounding was not a strong point overall. Um, Auburn pretty well dominated the board, but you can't make up for 23 to seven turnover differential. Mm-hmm. And obviously Sharif Cooper being out has something to do with that. Um, Jalen Johnson's great, great kid, but you know, not a high level SEC point guard, not what he was recruited to be. Um, and turned it over five times. Flanagan turned it over four times, and um, you get you get a plus sixteen in the turnovers, and, and um, that's how Alabama really won the game. Made some clutch shots. Tackleford clearly made some big shots from three. Um, again, just waiting on that game where they all the shooters are, are zoned in at, at roughly the same time instead of one or two guys. Uh, which is what it's been. Things like for the entire month of February and into March, um, hadn't had, with the exception of the previous Georgia game, hadn't had the game where everybody was on. Shaq was on, Petty was fairly well on, but then uh, Quinterly and Primo, not so much last night. So um, it'll come sooner or later. Cecil, it seems
2: like Nate's tried a couple different things to get Josh Primo back on track, but for whatever reason, it's just not not happening right now for the talented freshman on the offensive end.
4: No. Um, seems like he's hit a little bit of that freshman wall where you have to fight through. You've just not ever been in a grind like this, and particularly having to concentrate so much on defense. Um. It would be very important for them in the postseason for him to to sort of bounce back. And and um, they've been fortunate to to get some good contribution off the bench from Keon Ellis, from Juwan Gary to sort of make up for it. Um, Reese didn't play much last night. I, I thought that was just a matchup thing. I, I didn't think that he uh, had anybody. A lot of times, the way Auburn was spreading the floor, he really didn't have anybody to guard. Um, so uh, I thought that was, was more of Reese's situation than not playing well um, and clearly emotional after the game. But, um, yeah, Primo, it's a question mark. Um, had him in the starting lineup last night and out of the starting lineup before. Don't know what they'll do with him at Georgia. Don't really know how they're going to approach. I mean, they'll try to win at Georgia. There's no question about that. But that's a tough Situation. It's almost a, other than the fairly nebulous NCAA seeding and that sort of thing, you're going over to Athens against a team that can play well. Um, and I don't know what, where you find your motivation other than, than pride and, and a little bit of the NCAA rankings.
2: Cecil, does it, does it look like it's pretty much either going to be Kentucky or Mississippi State? In a quarterfinal for Alabama, how much
4: can change
2: just in this looks like next three or four days?
4: If if you're playing that fifth dimension chess, which I don't advocate, which I don't (laughs) believe in doing, but um, Georgia winning might not hurt. you. You know, Georgia wins on Saturday; Kentucky loses. Uh, Georgia pulls ahead of Florida knocks Kentucky into that ten spot. And, you know, I had to play Kentucky in the tournament. But I'm not an advocate of throwing games just for a tournament bracket. And Kentucky's
2: still hard to figure. Uh, another loss for the, the Wildcats. We watching, thought they were starting to know, turn that, the corner. I but...
4: played early, so I got to watch the end of that. Yeah. And couldn't make a free throw, for one thing. And just mm-hmm. just struggled offensively it's just it's just amazing that that the guys that they've had they just don't they just don't have this year and they it's a, it's a interesting analytical debate they, they just don't play offense the way you know that they play what people are now starting to perceive from the NBA level to Alabama to Gonzaga to other teams you know that's the 21st century offense and that's not what Kentucky looks like now. Again, if you put a guard who could who could really control the game out there, Kentucky might look different. But, um, you know, it's it's a unusual to see them struggle offensively the way that they have. And, timing and throws, everything. Yeah. One thing they've actually been good at that this year. They couldn't even make a free throw down the stretch.
2: Timing everything during the course of a college basketball season, and it looks like Arkansas has hit it at pretty much the right time. Um, goes on the road last night, busts the clock on South Carolina in, in Columbia. Uh, a lot of talk. Playing well. Uh, yeah, the narrative right now, better team, better team that's playing better right now, Arkansas or or Alabama. It, it doesn't seem like uh, uh, many folks would argue with, with Arkansas on that side of the deal.
4: No, they're playing well, and they'll they'll blow out. I'd say they will. I would assume they would have uh, good success against Texas A&M Saturday if if that um, comes off as, as planned. Feels like Texas so,
2: A&M hadn't played since last year at this point, Cecil. Uh, it's Wouldn't. been a
4: long time. Uh, Bud said they hadn't had a full practice since um, January the 30th. It makes me wonder what they were going to do when Alabama was trying to get in there in the ice storm. You know, but mm-hmm. nonetheless, um, Alabama didn't see them this year. You know, obviously. So, um, don't know how they'll they play tonight. They play Mississippi State, and and apparently that one's going to get played. As, as <laughs> the last word is.
2: Cecil, when we look at the league as a whole and start thinking ahead to Nashville and the SEC tournament, what's it looking like from a bid perspective, in your opinion? Obviously, you've got three or four that you you feel are are slam dunks at this point, but beyond that, where are you at? Um, I think it's
4: five or six. Excuse me, it's six. Um, We had talked last week, Missouri's playing themselves right on down, but... I don't think they've played themselves out. Um interesting game between them and Florida tonight. So they they could help a little bit with their uh, with their momentum, but I think their non conference will will get them in. So I think that you've got six that are in that that have bids and the only way you'd get a seventh would be somebody win the tournament. Um Ole Miss has done some good things. That's a, a nice win for them last night, but I just don't think that they're at 14 and 10. I, I just don't think that they're there um, at this point. You know, so so can't help themselves too much. They play Vanderbilt at home Saturday. That's not going to help them too much. Um, so they need to uh, probably at least make it to Sunday before they would. In the conversation, and I would think they'd need to win it.
2: Ole Miss probably like to have that home game with Mississippi State a couple of weekends Ooh, ago back, wouldn't they? Wouldn't I mean, they like that could that be the difference back. for them?
4: Yeah, and
2: and the road game at Vanderbilt. <laughs> that one too. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of been that way in the that's, league that's though, as we talked
4: about in February. Yeah, um, so you know, they they had some nice wins in February. Beat Tennessee. Beat Missouri twice. Uh, now they got Kentucky, um, but yeah, that those Mississippi State and Vanderbilt losses make a difference. Plus, they're 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 in a similar boat to Arkansas. Although Arkansas has kind of played their way past it, but you know, Ole Miss's non-conference isn't going to knock anybody over either. Uh, best non-conference win I would argue would be because they. They didn't play in the challenge, um, the SEC Big 12 challenge. Their best non-conference win, maybe UNC Wilmington, maybe. Hmm. That isn't going to blow anybody away.
2: So are we at a point with this Alabama team, Cecil, where its ceiling and its floor in terms of NCAA tournament seating are pretty much the same? Is Alabama pretty much a 2 uh, regardless of what happens from here on out.
4: They they seem pretty secure on that too. I wouldn't suggest losing to Georgia and losing the first round in Nashville. Um that could knock you to a three, I would think. Short of that, um I, I think if they go over and beat Georgia there are two. I think whatever they do in Nashville, they're a two. So, in a game uh, they're situation- in that value to that game.
2: Yeah. In game situation right now, and Alabama has the basketball and needs a bucket. Who does Nate Oates want to have that opportunity in his hands for this Alabama team right now?
4: Well, you know they were in that situation with Missouri, and he, he gave it to Herb. And he, even though Herb wasn't at a hundred percent then, um, I don't, I don't know that he's got one guy. Um, <laughs> you know. The guy who's delivered um recently is who's Nailed that three at Starkville. Probably made the difference in the game. But you're talking about a under thirty situation like Baylor had last night with Jared Butler. Um Jared Butler made a three at the buzzer at the end of the half, put him into overtime and then hit the winner in overtime. That's that's the that that's who you're looking for. I don't know. It would depend on what the defense was. Yeah. Um, Quinterly, Quinterly's, producing. You know, he's, he's good percentage on threes. He's getting to the rim. I don't know if I wouldn't want Javon Quinterly to have it, at least whether he ended up taking the shot or not. Um, he might be the guy I'd want with the, with the ball in his hand.
2: We talked about that earlier in the week. That's, There's guys Teddy's not a creator off the dribble. You know, no. that, that, that's the thing about that. He's improved, but you're right. He's not going to give you the versatility, the multitude of, of options. And look, as you know, there are guys that maybe in the eyes of the coaches aren't high on that list, but in their own eyes, they're really high on that list. And that's Javon Quinterly. <laughs> Javon Quinterly squarely falls in that category of ain't scared. Cecil and no,
4: there's something to be not. said for that. Sure. Oh, that's what you're looking for. Um, that's the guys who'll make a who make plays like that. So he's he's. Um, I tell you what, that six man role he's been he's been really valuable. Really good. So, yeah. Um, I don't know that I wouldn't want to have. Even though isn't that funny a guy who's not a starter, but you, you'd say he's your sixth guy. But um, I might want Javon Quinterly with the ball in
2: his hand. Oh, Nate's talked about it. He's talked about being more interested in finishers, right, than starters. So well, he, that,
4: that, he broke Auburn. I'll tell you he broke Auburn down off the dribble a couple of times last night. Um, I mean, made a couple of defenders look low footed, as they <laughs> say.
2: Oh, Cecil, we've heard from Greg Byrne and a few other athletic administrators here in recent days we saw the state of texas the governor over there has just opened it wide open back up so as uh neighboring mississippi apparently and uh sort of looking ahead to the college football season uh, cecil there is a uh a optimistic approach apparently that you know perhaps we're going to get back to full occupancy now as we've talked about on the show uh, some of that you have to plan that way, don't you? I mean logistics involved. Sure, sure. You have it's
1: to. Much you have to. to
4: plan for much easier to plan for you know a hundred people at the reception and then only twenty five show up than it is the other way around. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, you want to you want to be optimistic and you want to reach out to your season ticket holders and and find out what you. Uh, can Expect which in Alabama's case will be you know full houses and and uh, you want to play that way. But even even Greg Stave, although people you know really got blown up media wise, was on the ESPN ticker and so forth. But you know he he said they're going to continue to consult with the medical personnel. Mm-hmm. I would I would make the point that and I think I you know I'm an op, I'm optimistic about it too. But I would make the point that on March 3rd 2020 they also assumed that they would be at 100% capacity so nobody was even thinking that there wouldn't be a college football season or it wouldn't be uh, such a modified college football season as it turned out to be so so from March 3rd to kickoff is the
2: Speaking of how things have changed in sports on the local level, I know you're a big fan of high school basketball and high school sports in general, and this is usually going such to
4: Birmingham a, today. To are you WWE going? That,
2: that's where I was. That's where I was taking you. And how how different that is this year.
4: It is different. It is different. It's a shame they're not in the big gym um, at the BJCC, but. Um, yeah, going back to Fair Park, I haven't been to a game in Fair Park in many years. I've been to some, but not in many years. Um, so looking forward to to seeing that. Um, really a great event, and, and it's a shame that it's it, it, It's good that Birmingham has the capacity to spread it over the three arenas, um, Bartow and Crossplex and Bill Harris. Um, but, you know, you miss the... You miss the uh, all day, you know. Sit there and watch all day, and, and um, get to see some players that you you didn't know. You know JD, you, you know JD Davidson and Calhoun. Mm-hmm. You know why you're going to see him, but, but you know part of the fun in some years is to, to go for two or three days and see some young guys and um, see how they work out. So I uh, won't get a chance to do that, but yeah, I am going to see JD
2: this time. You got Mountain Brook in Spanish Fort in the boys' Class 7A final underway now over at Bartow Arena. Post-Bucky, Mountain Brook, keeping it going. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. Um, they had a, what, triple overtime? That was a hell of a game with Game with you follow. you their last year. Yeah, game, but, yeah. Um, and I don't know much about Spanish Fort. I, I'm sure they have, you know, a good team, good athletic team, but um, – Little surprised to see them in the final. Seven A, you know, as you know from the football playoffs as well, seven is a little bit smaller in terms of the number of teams in the classification. Uh doesn't mean that these aren't two really good teams. But um yeah, it should be a it should be a good game and then I think the I think the big rivalry game, the one a lot of people are looking forward to, is girls, Hoover and Hewitt Trustwell.
3: Mm hmm. Mm hmm.
4: Absolutely. Well, Cecil,
2: we'll let you get headed that way. We'll let you get started to the BHM, to the ham. And uh, as always, we appreciate the time, my man.
4: Yeah, and I encourage everybody who's got a chance to get out and, and see a high school game over the rest of the week to, to, uh, to try and to take your mask and try and see one. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Always great stuff. All right, Cecil, we'll do it again next week. Okay, talk to you. Thanks. Bye. There you go. Cecil Heard of the Tuscaloosa News and TideSports.com. Headed over to see J.D. Davison in that uh, Final Four action over there in the Birmingham area. Legacy Arena undergoing that extensive renovation. So you're sort of spread out over in the ham this time around. We're going to head to a break. We come back. We'll get into some offensive line talk, among other things, where the Alabama Crimson Tide football team is concerned. That and more when Southern Fried Sports returns on a Wednesday, presented by Peter Brook Chocolatier right after this.
0: You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer. on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Yo, something's
3: wrong here. No, not again. Get the daisies for the hot holes in my lawn.
2: Back with more of a Wednesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Trier, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. Thanks again to Cecil Hurt, the one, the only. Cecil Hurt from the Tuscaloosa News and TideSports.com. Yeah, Mountain Brook and Spanish Fort in the Class 7A state final for boys basketball. Jacob Harrison, a South Alabamian, notes that Spanish Fort, I guess, Jacob, just really good at everything down there. Kind of like, I guess, is Spanish Fort the the Hoover of South Alabama?
1: They're getting there. Um, you know, they've they've only been a school since about two thousand and eight. I want to say, uh, but they have multiple national championships and multiple or national state championships in multiple sports. And uh, you know, doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out how they do that. But yeah, they're good at everything.
2: Uh, did I was there a little salt? Was there a little salt in that closing comment as it relates to the Toros, the uh
1: Spanish extreme sport in High School? <laughs> Extreme yeah, salt. I
2: think, yeah, I think that was there was some sodium. Some sodium involved there in that little comment.
1: Well what Spanish <laughs> Fort did is Spanish Fort uh was created out of taking some students from Daphne, which was obviously our biggest rival, and from Baldwin County, which is where I went to high school. So they inherently somehow also took all the best athletes. And there are even some people that went to Baldwin County High School that now kind of claim Spanish Fort even though they had nothing to do with the school?
2: You know, we had some rezoning here in Tuscaloosa a couple of three years ago, and I won't get into my specific opinions on that topic, but I think in doing so, the potential to establish at least one of the city high schools as a dominant all-around sports program went by the boards with that. That's all I'll say on the topic. That's how I'll leave it. That's where I'll leave it. Right there. Hey, uh, we do have time for you on our temporary phone number today, 205-409-7877. Uh, as promised, going to talk some offensive line for Alabama with an emphasis on the tackle positions. I'm going to get more into the interior potential scenarios for Alabama football in 2021 as we get a little bit later in the week, but Yesterday at BamaOnline.com provided a preview, a glimpse at the tackle position as we get closer and closer to the start of spring drills, just a few weeks away, just a few weeks away at the capstone. And of course, when you look at Alabama, you know what you're losing in Alex Leatherwood, the 2020 Outland Trophy winner. Alabama's fourth, by the way, since 2008. Uh, Alex Made 41 career starts, 26 of those in a row coming at left tackle the last two years. Um, a guy that's expected to go you know, fairly early. You don't see many first-round mocks right now with Alex Leatherwood within them. But, considered to be sort of a top 60 prospect, I would think, for April's draft. Well, you know you're going to have to deal with his departure. Again, as we said earlier in the show, Evan Neal would be more than sensible to flip over from right to left, but if you do that, still have a need for a right tackle. So who are some of those options? Well, a lot of the a lot of the intrigue is going to center on a couple of true freshmen and JC Latham and also Tommy Brockermeyer, a pair of five star tackles that Alabama was able to land as a part of its twenty twenty one recruiting class. And look, there's precedent there. As we know, for young guys, for newcomers in general, to jump into one of those tackle spots, whether it was uh, Cam Robinson going back to 2014 did it, Jonah Williams did it at right tackle before moving to left tackle in 2017. And, uh, you know, so there is a, a possibility that it could be one of these newcomers. I wouldn't sleep on couple of the second-year guys that we saw some of last year, Javion Cohen, Damian George, both saw playing time as true freshmen. The key with those guys, as much as anything, is going to be how much improvement do they make with David Ballou and Dr. Matt Ray during this offseason. And George especially had some work to do physically. It looked like during the course of the 2020 season, he was already making – Some positive strides, Javion Cohen, uh, probably a little closer in terms of being where he needed to be physically as a true freshman. And then you've got some guys that – tough thing with Alabama is they cross-train so much across the offensive line that you try to focus on, say, four returning guys and a couple of newcomers in Latham and Brockermeyer. But then you also know that even Chris Owens, who – you know, you would just naturally think is the successor to Landon Dickerson at the center position because we've seen him make starts over the last two seasons in that role. Well, Chris Owens has experience at tackle. Guys like Kendall Randolph, you know, has been more of a tight end the last couple of years, has experience at tackle. Tommy Brown, who you saw pretty much exclusively in games anyway last year at the guard position, has a background at tackle, So you have to be a little bit careful when you project at that position with Alabama because so many guys have worked inside and outside. Pierce Quick, another example of that. Even another incoming freshman like Terrence Ferguson. This is a guy you go back and you watch his high school tape from last fall and dominant at the tackle position. So you know, Ferguson's a guy that could get a look at tackle, too. Most feel like he's going to end up one way or the other at the guard position, but it's a good situation in terms of talent that is available, and you know that you have sort of an anchor at the spot in Evan Neal, and that's something throughout the Nick Saban era Alabama's pretty much been able to count on. You know, he's had 14 teams at Alabama. He's not had one yet where he's not had at least one returning starter at offensive tackle. And he's going to have that again with Evan Neal, although it could involve Neal at the left side. So they've been able to sort of bridge that departure on one side with another guy coming back at the other. So the offensive tackle position, Doug Marone, former NFL head coach, taking over that OL room. Think he's going to like, think he's going to like what he's got to work with there going to take a final break here on a Wednesday edition of Southern Fried Sports. When we come back, we'll put a wrap on SFS, a hump day edition presented by Peter Brook Chocolatier right here on Tide 100.9 FM. More of the show right after this. It's time to a good supply
0: of sunshine this afternoon. The high today, 64. Clear tonight. Cool below at 40. Tomorrow, another sunny day with a mild afternoon. The high 70. And Friday, we stay dry with a mixture of clouds and sunshine. Friday's high at 68. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 58 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
3: My daylight clothes, or is it just my daylight song? What I do ain't make believe. People say
1: I sit and try, but when it comes to being daylight, it's just me, myself, and I. On this day just in
2: 1989, 19- back when it was real I, with hip hop, three fellas from Strong Island dropped this baby. De La Soul with a little three feet high and rising. Me, myself, and I there. One of the favorite, one of the personal favorites where De La is concerned. On this day, 1989, they dropped that initial LP as a trio. It is Southern Fried Sports on a Wednesday. Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com. With you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. You know, we've been talking about quarterback dominoes where the – 2022 recruiting class is concerned of course alabama you know we really haven't even talked about ty simpson's commitment on friday i I feel like because we previewed it and ramped it up in a way i i think you got the hint didn't you did you get the hint by noon last friday after we had hank south on after we had talked about it for a couple days that maybe ty simpson was destined to wear crimson well, it played out that way. Well, with Ty Simpson making his way to Alabama, or committing to Alabama, again, more of those quarterback dominoes for the upcoming recruiting class starting to fall. Yet Quinn Ewers, the Texas product, who was initially committed to the home state Longhorns under Tom Herman, Tom Herman gets the pink slip, and Quinn Ewers has flipped his commitment since to the Ohio State Buckeyes, and then Ty Simpson commits to Alabama. Well, another Texan, Cade Klubnick from Westlake High School in Austin, Texas. Boy, Austin, Westlake's turned out a few quarterbacks, I think, in the past. Isn't that Drew Brees' alma mater? Nick Foles, Sam Ellinger, recently at the University of Texas? Well, Cade is eschewing the hometown Orange of Texas, For the Orange of Clemson, now, Sark got his quarterback. He got his top quarterback for 2022, uh, apparently. Uh, Went out to California to get that done. And so, hometown quarterback Cade Klubnick headed to Dabo Sweeney and the Clemson Tigers. The Dominoes, quarterback Dominoes, continue to fall. That's going to do it for a Wednesday edition of Southern Fried Sports. Thanks again to Cecil Hurt for joining us here on the show. Thanks to Jacob Harrison, as always, for his great production work of SFS. It is a Wednesday. The lunch whistle, a very, very happy birthday to Southern Alehouse. Seven years old today, Southern Alehouse. Get by there and help them celebrate a very important day in the indian hills community southern alehouse been absolutely outstanding for 7 years now they're great every day of the week southern alehouse 1530 mcfarland boulevard north until 11am on thursday have a great rest of your wednesday everybody
0: One and two, but that glory's been denied by consists and gookie eyes. People think they diss my person by stating I'm darkly packed. I know this, so I point acute and he states Black is black. Mirror, mirror on the wall.